856. Thank you for being here today. Going to get right into the Word of God. Got a lot to preach. And uh, hope that you'll uh, have your Bibles open. And if you don't, well, at least look up on the wall. Psalms 85, verse, eight, verse number 6. <clears throat> Bible says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Father, we pray this morning now that you bless the preaching of thy word to the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the good of these that hear. I pray, Lord, help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I pray, God, save the lost, encourage and strengthen the saints. And Lord, we just pray, turn us again to yourself. And God, anchor our souls in the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, uh, I want to preach a message today entitled, The Biblical Evidence of a True Biblical Revival. Biblical Evidence of 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 Truly a Biblical Revival. Uh, we, we are not left to ourselves about uh, the idea of whether some, something going on in our church or anywhere is of the Lord. Amen. We're not left to man's opinions. We can look at the Word of God and find out true evidence whether something is of God or not. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, America and the people of America uh, are, are under the early stages of God's judgment. There's no question about that. This nation has turned from God. And except a revival come, a true biblical revival come to this nation, this nation is going to go down. It is deteriorating and God's destruction will someday come. Israel wasn't destroyed in 10 years. Israel wasn't destroyed in 50 years or 100 years. And God was merciful and kept giving them opportunity to repent and to turn and have revival, but they would not do it. And eventually God sent them into captivity and God has not changed. And he still operates the same way in America's in trouble tonight. We are deteriorating and our downfall may be even quicker than we think if we do not have revival in order though, for America to remain free and to be blessed, there has to be without any exception, a general and a nationwide, or at least a large regional revival. And by that, I mean this, a return to obedience to the word of God. A revival is a spiritual awakening. You can call it several things, but it is nothing less than a new beginning of obedience to what God has already said in his word. Don't make it anything more than that. Don't let denominations or people or preachers define revival for you. Let the Bible define it. It is literally this, a new beginning of obedience to what God has already said. And so we can rejoice in that. But what is a true biblical revival or a spiritual awakening? It is this in its manifestation. I want you to listen carefully. I'm telling you, I'm going to try to stay behind the pulpit because I need to roll. It is a new beginning. Now, carefully listen to me. A true biblical revival is a new beginning of a loving yet sure spirit prompted obedience and adherence to the word of God on every issue. Nothing less. It begins with a move of God within the hearts of his own people. To put, put up 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. A true biblical revival begins with God's people. 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 7 uh, 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and pray. The Bible said, turn, watch this. If my people will turn 
from their wicked ways. God never said he expects the world to turn from their wicked ways in order to have revival. God said that his people that are called by his name have to identify through the word of God, their wicked ways and turn from them. Then he said, I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. God will send a revival. The Bible said in first Peter chapter four and verse number 17, that judgment has to begin at the house of God. God is not going to start with the whole house. He's going to start with his house. God says judgment. We have to judge ourselves. How do we do that? Through the word of God. No other way. No preacher. No denominational lingo. No movement. Uh, uh, small talk. But a return to the word of God is what will bring revival. It is manifested by humility in seeking God's face, seeking God's face, not his hand, what he can give you and do for you, but seeking God's face as to who he is. It is a manifested by self-judgment. In other words, we're willing to look at ourselves and say, I am not in agreement with God's word in this, in these issues of my life and areas of my life. It is based on prayer and calling out to God for a manifestation of his spirit to move among us because without the Holy Ghost you can't be saved without the Holy Ghost you can't have revival and it's it's a and it manifests itself in this repentance and repentance it says if they will turn did you get that? Amen. 2 Corinthians 7, if they'll turn from their wicked way, that's repentance. That means a change of direction, a change of attitude, a change of intent. And it's repentance to turn from our wicked ways and says God to seek God's face in order to do that. Well, what does it mean to seek God's face? In Romans chapter 15 and verse number four, the Bible said the things that are written aforetime, that's in the Old Testament, were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The only hope that we have is through the scriptures, through the word of God. How does a person seek the Lord? In Hebrews eleven six, listen carefully to the word of God. It says, but without faith, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen. For he that cometh to God must believe that, he's a re, uh, that he is and a rewarder of them. Watch this. That diligently seek him. Amen. The Bible said in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God says in every area of your life, I want you to seek me first. He said that I want you to put me before everything. Put me before your spouse. Put me before your children. Put me before your work. Put me before your pleasures. Put me before your entertainments. Put me before anything. Put God first. That is seeking his face. And the Bible said in Jeremiah 29, 13, and you shall seek me. Watch this. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Amen. Not half-hearted. Isaiah 34, verse number 16 says, Seek ye the Lord, seek ye out of the watch this now. We're talking about how do I seek the Lord? Isaiah 34, 16 tells you the explicit truth about this. Seek ye out the book of the Lord Amen. and read. Amen. Yes, sir. You want revival? It's laying right in your lap. Amen. This book is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide asunder the, the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
It will literally show you the intents of your heart. You can't see it yourself. By seeking God's face, we mean reading his word. Then and only then can we see our sin and turn from our wicked ways by the grace of God. By looking into the mirror of God's word and self-judgment and repentance and turning. What were the Israelites' wicked ways? I want you to fill up 2 Kings chapter 17. And I'm just going to read off that if they'll get that up there. 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 6. 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 6. The Bible says here. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 17 and verse number 6. I want this up because I'm, you need to see this to understand how God and defines a biblical revival and what has to be done to a people in order for revival to come. In 2 Kings 17 and verse number 6, it says this. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria. Now, to understand this, Israel was the ten northern tribes. This is after their split, after their civil war. You had the ten tribes northern, which was called Israel. The ten southern tribes were called Judah. All right? Now, the northern tribes never had one good king. They were all wicked. They were all evil. And God carried them into captivity first. They never did have revival. Okay? They never did have revival. And here's what he's going to lay this. And he placed them in Halah and harbor by the river. It goes on the city of the Medes. Verse number seven. And so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God and brought them up out of the land of Egypt and under the hand of Pharaoh, our king of Egypt, and feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen. Now you listen to this. God says they had turned from walking in his statutes, his word, his book, and they had turned to following the statutes of the heathen. That's what's going on in the public schools of America in our education system. We are teaching our children the statutes of the heathen. And we'll never have revival as long as God's people do not turn from their wicked ways about this issue. You listen to me. God says they were they walked in the statutes of the heathen. Then it says in verse number eight, whom the Lord cast out for the children of Israel and the kings of Israel. Watch this. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord our God. They built them high places in all their cities in the tower of the watchman of the fence city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill under every green tree. That they burned incense in all the high places, did the heathen, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols. Wherever the Lord has said unto them, you shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by the servants of the Lord. Notwithstanding, listen to me. Notwithstanding, God said, I sent you prophets, I sent preachers, I sent the word of God to you. But he said in verse 14, notwithstanding, they would not hear. They would, they said, we, we, we want to have church, but we're not interested in the real deal. We want to feel good about ourselves, leave us alone, go back out, live our lives unrevived, untouched, undealt with. He said, they hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers and did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes. Are you listening to me? And covenant. Did you realize about all they had at this time was the first five books of Moses? It's all the Bible they had. Amen. God says they spurned it and threw it away. His statutes and his, father and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went up after the heathen that round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged that they should not do like them. 
And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God. You see it? They left God's word. They said, we don't want God's word. We want to learn the statutes of the heathen. And we just could care less about what God said. There is an attitude and a spirit in the churches of America that the Old Testament has nothing to do with our modern day Christianity. And it's killing our churches. I'm going to tell you something. If you want revival, you're going to have, can I tell you, I'm going to blow you out of the water today. God sent revival to his people and I'm going to show you how he did it. He did it by taking them back to the law and not grace. Amen. I'll prove this to you in scripture and I'll prove it to you in history in revivals that there's never been a revival until people go back to the law of God with a surrendered and submissive heart and say God your commandments are good. Your commandments are wonderful. They're a blessing and we do not have a rebellious attitude and we rejoicingly submit to the word of God to live our our lives like you say to live them. Amen. All right, now let's continue on. Um, you can go down here in verse number uh, 18. Well, look at verse number 17. They caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire. And I'm going to preach on all that today, but I tell you what, that's going on in America right now. And they used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. You can go down into verse number 23. Until the, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all the servants of the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. Now, we're going to go down to verse number 31. And I want you to go there. And I want to show you what has to happen for revival to come. This has to happen first to any people. Verse number 31. And take the Abites that made Nibhaz the Tark and Tartak and the Sephirites burnt their children in fire to Adrimelech and Mamelech, the gods of Sep- Sepharvaim. Now watch this, watch this passage of scripture. It is the key that has to be broken through for a nation or a people or a family or a home to have revival. What's this? So they feared the Lord, circle this in your Bible, and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places. What were they doing? They were going to church on Sunday. Then on then they might leave out of church of, of the temple worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the Bible. But then they went over and they had church with the pagans in their high places and in their groves and the Baal worship. They were doing what's called synchronized religion. They were adding other gods to God. They weren't saying God doesn't exist. They didn't say we don't, it's not that we don't fear God, right. but we're going to worship other gods right. and we're going to put God down this plane with all of the gods. Now, it says in verse number 33, watch this. And they fear the Lord and, there's three ends that we're going to look at here, serve their own gods. This is where America's at. We'll come to church on Sunday, preach about Jesus Christ, preach through the gospels, all the stuff in the stories of the Bible. Then we'll send our kids straight Monday morning into a place that is pagan in its very system and concepts that calls God a liar in Genesis chapter one. We are worshiping God on Sunday. Then we're leaving out the rest of the week and we leave God totally out of our lives and he's not to have influence and we go to our work, our jobs, our marriages, our raising our children and we say, God, you don't have any business telling me how to live, telling me how to run my life. 
life. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to accept your son Jesus as my savior. But you just leave it right there because we're not messing with the rest of it. We're going to live life like we want to live it. And you don't have a say so about nothing about how I live. Then watch the next thing. Verse number, uh, you go up to verse number 41, I believe it is. Yes, 41. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children as their fathers. So do they in this day. You say, Reggie, what was going on? A dualistic worship system where they profess with their mouth, but their hearts were far from him. Now, when you get in this state, you need revival and you need it bad. All right. Now, so we, we see that. Now, I'll show you that this is not a new thing. Don't, we don't go there right now. But in Exodus chapter 32, God sent Moses up on the mount to get the, the law. Yeah. Moses is coming down out of the mount and he hears this noise. And the Bible said that they had, Aaron had made a golden calf. The Bible said that they rose up to eat and to drink and to play. The Bible said that in this, by the way, now watch this. Then the Bible said they were making their peace offerings and their other offerings. You say, what's going on? They were worshiping a golden calf and they were having offerings that God had commanded. They were dualistically worshiping. The Bible says that they were further down when he got down from the mountain, they were dancing. And the Bible says they were naked. I'm telling you something. They were dualistically worshiping. They were saying on one hand, we're going to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But boy, in real practice in life, they like to have church. They love to have church. Man, he's having a good time. Coffee, donuts, dancing, music, smoke, lights, all that junk. Well, we love to have church. As long as we can go back out and worship our other gods, which may be money, which may be pleasure, which may be the worldliness, whatever it is, maybe Super Bowl. I don't care. Listen to me. I am telling you, God is sick to death of American Christians acting like they love him and yet soak themselves in the filth of this world. Dualistic worship. God will not put up with it. You know, when Satan came to Jesus in Matthew 4.10 and he said, I will give you all this I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Listen to me. You know what Jesus' answer to him was? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. Only. Amen. Oh, somebody needs to preach an old time Bible message on only God. Amen. You go back to the Old Testament, that was part of their commandments. You shall serve only the Lord God. You see, we don't have images that we bow down to, but we've got gods of our imagination. We've got gods in our lives that we literally put before the God of the Bible and above him. Let me give you an example. You can't get here on Wednesday night, but you can get to every little sinking ball game you've got to go to. Right, man. Say amen right there. You can't get here on Wednesday night, but you can, you can go all everywhere else. Amen. Yeah, that slows things down, don't it? But you know what it shows? When you say, Reggie, I, I love God. But I love my, yeah? yeah? You better figure it. God is not going to puff with you worshiping him and worship everything God. I'm not against your ball game. I'm not against your sports at all. What I'm against is you putting it above God. Amen. Are you listening to me? I'm not against you making money. 
But the love of money is the root of all evil. I want you to do well. I want you to be blessed financially. I want you to be out of debt. I want you to be able to take your family on trips. I want you to be able to do the things you want to do. But I don't want it taking you away from God. That's what God doesn't want. I want you to love your children. But I don't want you to put your children above God. Don't be a child worshiper. God is God. And if I'm not going to preach that, I ought to get out of the pulpit. Quit being a false prophet. We've got to get, we'll never have revival till this concept comes back. We'll never have it. Listen, Satan's goal is to get you into a dualistic worship system and your grandchildren will be worshiping him. Exodus 22, 20 says, God only. Now back to the genuine evidence of a biblical revival. What will a biblical revival result in? It will result in number one, repentance. What is repentance? It is a turning back to God's word. It's not worldly sorrow. (laughs) My wife left me. Could you help me? Oh God, if you'll get me out of this trouble, I'll serve you. Right. And all you want is a fix. Biblical repentance is a deep returning of the soul to God. Whether he ever blesses you or not. Whether he ever answers a prayer of yours or not. It means God I'll serve you. And whether we live or whether we die we're the Lord's. And I'm not playing possum. And I'm not playing the, 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 the lottery with you. I'm not playing slot machine. I give you bless. I give you bless. I give you bless. God is not in that. Amen. Now let me tell you something. All you preachers, you listen to me right now. I can preach this message, but you can't. Are you listening to me? To this congregation. Don't you get up here and preach like I'm preaching this morning. I'll, sit, I'll make you sit down. Because God's Holy Spirit uh, works through authority. And I'm the pastor of this church and people will take what I'm preaching when they wouldn't take what you, you go preach it somewhere else. I'm telling you, God, watch this. Now that came to me while I was preaching. I'm going to tell you the truth. There are things, if people know you love them and they know you honestly have their best, they'll take it. But let me tell you something. My daddy could tell me, sit down and shut up. That's right. But not somebody else's daddy. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, please, I'm preaching this in humility. I'm preaching this with fear and trembling. But it will produce repentance in your life. It will bring a brand new, a new beginning of obedience to the word of God. It is not an emotional self-introspection, but a godly sorrow that will make a tangible change of obedience to the word of God. It will manifest itself by an inward work of the Holy Ghost that you'll be concerned about your sins and not somebody else's so much. It will cause a transparency and an openness and an honesty about ourselves, not religious group therapy. It will be a vibrant love for God. It will produce a vibrant love for God, for the brethren, and for the church. I'm telling you, son, give me that old-time religion. Makes me love everybody. Give me the things I used to do. I don't do no more for the Lord made a change in me. That's salvation. The Bible says that it produced a genuine biblical revival manifested by tangible, observable change in that person's life. In agreeing in obedience to the word of God, to his law, his commandments, his statutes, and his judgment. There is no true, true revival if in the after effects professing Christians who said they had revival continue a pattern of disobedience obedience to the word of God. Now maybe I need to say that again. To profess that we've had revival 
and it does not bring a pattern of change to obedience to God in the areas of life where we're disobedient to God is a joke. It's a false revival. It's a false repentance. And it is not of God. True revival will bring joyful, glad, rejoicing obedience to the word of God. That's what God says. Bless God. Let's do it. Amen. Amen. Now, guy gets picked up speeding. 100 mile an hour and 20 mile an hour school zone. Goes before the judge. The judge says, I got a notion to send you to pen. The guy says, listen, I don't know what got into me, judge. I, I, I promise you this. If you'll give me some mercy today, I'll never, ever do that again. And I mean it. And the judge says, well, you know, I appreciate that attitude. And I'm going to give you that mercy. You go out of here and don't be doing that no more. Six weeks later, he's back in court, having done 80 in a 20-mile-an-hour school district, school district. What do you think the judge is going to think? His repentance was a joke. Why? It did not produce tangible, observable evidence and change. So what's the judge going to do? You're gone. Situation up here at Seymour. You listen to me right now. I'm going to preach this. You brothers, leave your sisters alone. You daddies, you leave your daughters alone. You mamas, you leave your, you leave your boys alone. I don't want no incest going on in this church of any kind. If I hear about it, I'll turn you into authorities. Because it's the law of the land. It's the law of God's word. Let's just get that down. Amen. I don't want nobody pulling that nonsense in this church. There ain't no scum on the earth worse than a person who will abuse a child. And you ain't going to be part of this church and do it. And if I find out about it, you don't repent. I'll I'll tell you what, I'll I'll gun barrel look you straight in the eye from this pulpit and say, this man refuses to repent. He won't get right. He's abusing his children. This country is sick. It is sick. And you're going to bring the wrath of God upon this country by abusing these children. But what I was going to tell you was, these two brothers had gotten their 12-year-old sister pregnant. And they gave them mercy, gave them a list of stuff, said, you can't do this, you do this. They went right back and did what the judge said not do. Boom, they're in Jeff City today. Amen. I'm telling you something. God, how much more would God be if you play around with him about your repentance? <clears throat> and you say you repented. No, you're getting all holy, holy at the church house. But you don't change the way you live out there. Right. It is a turning from wicked, sinful, unbiblical, unholy, ungodly action and influences. And watch this. This is so important. Now get this. This is a key to the message today. In the sphere of your jurisdiction. See, what is that? If you're a father, you have a jurisdictional responsibility to your home. If you're parents, you have a jurisdictional responsibility. As a pastor, I have jurisdictional responsibility about what goes on at this church and what's going to happen here and what's not going to happen here. You see, we're not having no band up here with smoke and stuff. We're not having rock and roll in this church. Okay. You know something else? I'll just tell you right now. You ladies wear all the hats you want to. I think it's a good thing. And I'm serious about that. But don't you, you men ought to take off your hat when you come in this house. You know why? Respect him. Not us, you respect him. Bible says ladies can have their head covered. Men ought not to. I'm watching across this country, guys walk into church. You can see it, you can see it everywhere. They're walking in their ball caps, turning around, acting like, like this in church. You know what your problem is? You don't have no fear of God in you. You have no respect of nobody. That's what your problem is. 
Yep. Now, if somebody walks in here and they don't know no different, don't jump on them. Well, you hear me? Yeah, I'll take right. care of it or something. They'll get the idea pretty soon. Nobody else is wearing hats in here. <laughs> but I'm just being honest with you. We've got a problem in this country. We've made church so casual. We're not coming to worship the God of glory, whom we're going to stand before in judgment, who gave his son to die for us. We act like we're at a coffee shop. That's craziness. The real test of revival is where the people within the sphere of their jurisdiction. Keep that in mind. Worldliness in all of its manifestations will be dealt with by the Holy Spirit and not by your preacher. Addictions, music, fads, fashions, education, philosophies, every realm of life, business, how you treat your employees, everything will be dealt with by the word of God. And you'll say, I need to straighten up here. That's revival going on in your sphere of authority. All right. You dads, kids, we're not doing this. Well, this ain't going to be in the house. Now I'm going to give you something. When I got saved, I had a lot of rock and roll records. One of the very first things God did with me was told me to get rid of them. And I'm going to tell you what I did, Brother Jerry. I did that. But I didn't get rid of my bluegrass. Now, just hang on to your seat a little bit. I didn't say bluegrass was ungodly. Did you know that God will test you about things that you love? And God knew I loved my banjo and God knew I loved bluegrass music. Did you know that Abraham loved his son Isaac? And God said, I want you to take thine son, thine only son, and I want you to offer him. You know what the Bible says? Abraham did that. That he come so close he had the knife raised. And God, what God was after was Abraham, not Isaac. God didn't want Isaac. God wanted Abraham. He wanted Abraham to put even his son. Not, he wanted to put God above his son. And God blessed Abraham for that. Now you listen to me this morning. What God is after revival, he'll be after the things that you cherish. So I'm, I'm studying this message. Now you listen to me. A few years ago, I took those bluegrass. When one time God's dealing with me, I said, God, I don't see nothing wrong with bluegrass. Doggone it anyway. But it's like, Lord said, I want you to throw it out. So I did. Throwed all my bluegrass records away. If they're at the house, I don't know where they're at. Uh, several years after that, I got to playing guitar around the house and big manager, and I got thinking about something I really loved because I like old timey music. And I had ordered, I had, uh, I had thrown away now, sister, a, a three album set of Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Will the circle be unbroken? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all wicked too. Amen. All right. So anyway. <laughs> You don't know what I'm talking about. Mother Maybell Carter, Earl Scruggs, Doc Watson, all those old-time American folk singers. Good, I'm talking about good music, okay? <laughs> to my flesh. I like it, okay? I like it. And I throw it away. Several years later, and I'm not going to tell you all of the ramifications of this, but I made a bad mistake. I was wanting to introduce somebody to some good old time music and I ordered that three CD now not the records some of you kids don't know what records are but CD set of nitty gritty dirt band will the circle be unbroken and during that time one of the worst things happened to my family that ever happened 
just like I took a protection off my family. And uh, yesterday I was studying. Now, studying about, you know, seeing God was showing me, you've got to get stuff out of your house in your jurisdiction that does not please the Lord. And it dawned on me that down the basement in a box, I had that. And I said, well, you know, it's down in a box, it ain't hurt nobody. And I was trying to study. <laughs> and I was trying to study. It's like the Holy Spirit kept saying, no, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to get behind those preachers and disobey me right here at your house. I prompted you to throw that thing away. And you're disobeying me. So I got up out of my chair, went downstairs, pulled a box out, dug around until I finally found it. And I took it and put it in the trash. Then I had liberty. Then I could go back and then God began to help me work on through the message and so forth. What am I trying to tell you? Did you know in the book of Acts chapter 19 and verse 19, I'll show you the evidence of revival. Revival broke out and you know what the Bible said? They brought all their works of curious art. Music is considered an art. They brought all of it and they burned it. Do you know when we'll have revival at this church and not until? Till we start getting rid of the junk in our homes. That's right. Some of you have got the sorriest, low down, most wicked music in your trucks and your cars and your homes. And you just have got it justified like your pastor, Reg Kelly. But it's gonna, you're never going to see revival till you obey God. Now, may, God may not tell you to throw it away. I, that's going to be between you and God, okay? But I can tell you this message. There are going to be some things God's going to say. I want this out of your life. And he may just be seeing if you'll obey him about something you really like. It may not be so bad within and of itself. Might be a boat. Might be a side-by-side. Might be a rifle. God just said, I just want to see if you love me enough to obey me. Saul was sent to destroy the Amalekites. And he said, God said, I want you to destroy everything. Don't you bring back nothing. It's all cursed. And Saul spared Agag, the king, and the best of the sheep. He, and he come down through there and Samuel says, what's this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? So Saul says, oh, he said, I, we just kept the king and kept the best of the sheep and everything. And Samuel made this great statement. Watch it. If you want to have revival, we've got to get this one. To obey is better than to sacrifice. God says, I'd rather you just do what the book says than to put money in them boxes back there. I'd rather you do what the book says than show up three times a week. To obey is better than sacrifice. Here's the key. There is no revival until there's yielded obedience to the word of God. It won't happen. You say, Reggie, what's going on? Could Satan imitate revival? Yes, sir. In the 1960s, some of you don't believe I'm that old, but I am. In the 60s and 70s, there was in America what's called the Jesus Movement. Anybody remember it? I'm telling you what, all out there in San Francisco, them long string haired hippies and them girls, them girls wearing bikinis and they're dancing and they're hooping and they're praising Jesus. 
And the news media was talking about it. Oh, man, live, the Jesus movement. And the hippies, they were, and you know what? The truth about it is there were some people that got saved. But let me tell you what God did with them. He brought them out. And did you know that, now watch this. That movement never changed America. In fact, we got worse after that supposed revival. It didn't change America in the least. But oh, was they having a time worshiping their Jesus. They had their upside down peace signs. They, they wanted the Jesus who fit, watch this, into the hippie culture. They loved and they were calling out to and wanting desperately a Jesus that fit their hippie drug culture. With all of its music, its nakedness, its immorality. But oh, there's a, they just like Exodus 32. There's a dancing and there's naked and there's having a time of their life. Watch this. But it was not a revival, number one, because it didn't obey the word of God. Number two, it did not change the culture of this nation. Amen. How would you know if a revival of any kind of spiritual waking was of God or not of God? Take your Bibles to 1 John 4.1. God help me to roll. 1 John 4.1, the Bible said, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Do you hear that? Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. God says, hey, every spirit out here going on ain't of God. Yep. Why do you need to try it whether they're of God? Because many false prophets are gone out in the world. Now, here's the question. How do you try a spirit? You go, boogity, boogity, boogity. Boogity, boogity, oh, I got a feeling, my feelings. I don't know, I got a feeling about that. Or, oh, did you see that guy's leg grow? That's got to be of God. How do you try a spirit? John 6, 63 tells you, Jesus said, my words are spirit and are life. His words, Genesis to Revelation. In the beginning was the Word, the Word is with God, and the Word was God. Amen. He says, you want to try a spirit? You want to check out, see if something's real? Check it against the Word of God. That's all you got to do. It's not complicated. It's not spooky wookie doo. <laughs> it's, does this match the Bible? Amen. All right. You check it out by seeking God's faith through the Bible. Does what, or is what's happening, does it agree with the Bible? Not does it agree with my denominational group or my imagination or my feeling or my experience, but does it match the Bible? Before you let somebody get high and mighty with you about discernment and trying a spirit and telling you, watch this. Here's, here's where we're at in this country. If you don't go along with everything going on, yeah. you're being judgmental. Yeah. You're judging. You're being judgmental. You're being divisive. You're being legalistic and you're being pharisaical. But before you let anybody do that, think about this. Why would they be condemning you for just trying the spirit? For just checking out the word of God if this is real. We're not saying it is or it isn't at this point. But we're going to check the word of God to see if it is. We're not trying to be hateful, be divisive, or anything like that. We're hoping that it is revival. We're hoping that it is of God. But we're going to check to make sure that it is by the word of God. All right, we're going to read the Bible to find out. They'll condemn us for not blindly jumping on a bandwagon. They'll condemn us for checking out something against the word of God God, that they claim to believe. Put up 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 through 15, if you don't care. 
The Bible talks here about deception. Now watch this. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves in the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into what? An angel of light. Can you believe that? That's what Joseph Smith said he saw. It is no great thing if his ministers, whose ministers? Satan's ministers, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. God says, you better watch out. Everything says it's of the Lord is not. All right. Go to Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 24. The Bible says that there'll be such deception in the latter days that if it were possible, they, that Satan would deceive the very elect. That's, right. That's Matthew chapter 20. In other words, he says, if it wasn't for God, you'd get deceived. Yeah. All right. Go to second Peter. Uh, I'll tell you what, we went to second Peter chapter this morning about the false prophets. We're not going to do that right now. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 19, we talk about how they brought all their curious works of art and burned them. That was evidence of revival. Does the movement produce obedience and literal heart obedience to the Bible? That is the question that has to be answered. Samuel said to obey is better than sacrifice. James said, be not hearers of the word, but doers also, right? Don't be just hearers. You do what the word of God says to do. When people hear the word and they're emotionally or spiritually stirred and there seems to be a revival going on, the thing you want to watch for, do they become doers of the word? Because the whole same Holy Spirit that, quote, led you to repentance and a, and, and, and a feeling of guilt and a feeling of you need to get right with God, that same Holy Spirit is going to direct you to the Bible and to obey the Bible and give you the same grace that you need to obey the Bible. Now, a revival move, movement will produce obedience to the word of God. If it doesn't, it is a false imitation. It is not real. It is not of God and will produce what they had in 2 Kings 17. They worshiped God and served the the, other gods. Now, God has not left us without a clear example of biblical evidence of genuine revival. And guys, put up 2 Kings chapter 21. Now, this is a serious. I want you everybody look up for a minute. They're going to put this up on the wall. Now, three weeks ago, we laughed and he hawed, right? Joy. Had a good time. We're still having a good time. Amen. 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 But it's serious. Okay. All important question. Do you believe that the general religious population of Israel in the days of the kings before their captivity, do you believe that those people thought they were wrong? Those people that were worshiping dual worship, worshiping Baal, do you think they thought they were wrong? Did you ever realize the odds in that case? It's just like it is in the New Testament. Jesus said, straight as the gate narrows way, many there are the destruction, many the few there be that straight as the gate narrows way, and few there be that find it. Did you know how did you know how many prophets of Baal was at Mount Carmel when Elijah confronted them? 850 to one man. Yeah, that's right. 850 to one man. The rest of them was hiding in caves. And the rest of them was sitting at Jezebel's table. Now I'm going to preach probably here in a few months or a few weeks on sitting at Jezebel's table. And you don't want to come. Just do something else that Sunday. (laughs) 
All right. Do you believe that when Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah wept and preached and warned them that God was going to destroy them if they didn't have revival, do you believe they believed them? They did not. Do you believe that all those people that was at that altar on Mount Carmel, watching them guys jump up and down and cut themselves and holler and hoot at Baal, do you think all those people were hoping that Baal would answer? You bet they were. They did not believe and they would not repent. Now, we're in 2 Kings chapter 22 and God gives us an Old Testament example of true biblical revival and we're going to do this as quick as possible, but I want you to watch this. Now, Josiah is a eight-year-old boy in verse number 20, uh, chapter 22. And uh, it says he was eight years old when he began to reign. Now watch this very carefully. There's some deep things you need to know right here. His father was evil and his grandfather was about the most evil king Israel ever had. But this eight-year-old boy, by the sovereign grace of God, and by the way, that's what will happen to you. Did you know that revival is a sovereign act of God, but it's through the word of God? Okay. You may be sitting here and your dad and your grandpa could care less about the gospel, but the Holy Spirit of God move upon you and you have a deep desire to not live that kind of life and to do differently and to serve the Lord. Now here comes him in verse, uh, I don't want to go back and, 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 but in verse 16 to chapter 21 says Manasseh shed innocent blood very much. So the country is in a mess. They're offering their children to, to Baal. They're putting their children through the fire. They're doing every evil, nasty, wicked thing you could think about. And here comes this eight year old boy and God's going to use him for revival in this country and, and for Israel. Now watch verse number 20, chapter 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old. When he began to reign, he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah and Boscath. And he did that of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. That means he wasn't a Democrat or a Republican. <laughs> okay. There's, a little, there's more truth to that than you'd think. More truth than you'd think. You didn't go left, you didn't go right. Whereas I'm going to go with the Bible. Amen. All right, now. It came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord. Hmm. Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it unto the hand of the doers of the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord, and repair the breaches of the house. Josiah is a young king, and here's what he sees. He sees the house of God is in disarray, it's not been taken care of, it's been neglected, okay, and things are in bad shape. So he tells the priest and the scribe, says, listen, guys, there's some money that's been given to this thing. Let's fix the house of God. Let's repair the breaches and let's begin to serve God again. So this is where this boy's coming from is fix up the house of God, repair the breaches. There's a, a message in that itself. Now, verse number seven, Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered in their hand because they dealt faithfully. Wouldn't you like to live in a country where you just didn't have to keep track of everything? You just, people would do what they said they do. But now watch what happens. In verse number eight, Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law. You get it? Yeah. The book of the law. Genesis through Deuteronomy. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Now this is wild. These guys are priests, scribes, kings, all of this. 
They're living in a nation that was founded by God, but nobody has a Bible. And they go up there to clean up the house of God and clean it out and repair it and everything. And all of a sudden they say, look what I found. A book. And God's going to send revival through the book. And he always sends revival through the book. Now listen to me. God never sends a revival without the book. Now here's what he does. And Shaphan, the scribe, verse number nine, came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants had gathered the money that was found in the house, delivered in the hand of them to do the work, to have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. They started reading the Bible. All right, they, watch it. They started reading the Bible. And it came to pass when the king, this is Josiah, heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. In the Bible, when somebody tore their clothes, that means there's in deep sorrow and grief and repentance. They realized they were in trouble with God. They realized the wrath of God was upon them. Now, listen to me. When you go further in the scripture, God says, quit rending your garments and rend your heart. Quit putting on the outward, watch this, the outward show of revival and had the internal work of God Rending the heart. Lord, we have sinned. So he's listening to the Bible being read, the Old Testament, the book of the law. Well, where's grace at? You see, I want to tell you something this morning. Grace is back there in the law. But what we want to do is live in a generation of turning the grace of God in the last series. We want to leave the law behind and only deal with God on the basis of his mercy and his grace. And then say, Whatever you say God doesn't, doesn't count in our life, it has no effect on us. But that wasn't the way with this man. He rent his clothes, and the king, verse 12, commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Hakim the son of Shaphan, and Abacor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah the servant of the priest. You can't get all his names. He said, go inquire the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of God that is kindled against us. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that China and Russia was going to get together and blow us off the map. If we didn't have revival, would you be interested in revival? Yeah. Amen. Josiah recognized something. You know what? He, I don't have time to do all this, but what he heard was this. God says, I'm going to give you my laws, my commandments, my statutes, my judgments, and they're good for you and to be a blessing to you. But if you turn from those and you start learning the statutes of the heathen yeah. and living like them, I'm going to bring all kinds of wrathful judgment upon this nation. Your crops are not going to grow. The water is going to get dry. And he said, if you don't turn after I've put you through the early stages of judgment, I'm going to send you into captivity and I will, you will eat your own sons and daughters in a siege. And they did. He said, you're going to be carried off. And he said, when you hear footsteps, your heart's going to tremble. You're just going to live in fear all the time. Why? Because you left the book. Now, so, uh, they went in, in verse number 14. So, now watch this. They went to a prophetess named Huldah. Now, what in the world was a prophetess doing? They were so backslid on God that they were having women in the ministry. God said that's a, that's a judgment on any nation. Women shall rule over you. That's Isaiah chapter 3, if you want to check that out. When you're in trouble with God, God says, children will be your oppressors. And women shall rule over you. That's what's happening in America right now. Now, she she tells him, 
that God's going to, watch this, listen to me. God, she tells him, God's going to do what he said he would do back there. He promised blessing if you obeyed, disobeyed, uh, curse if you didn't, and the curse is coming, and you're not stopping it th- with this revival, but you're going, watch this, forestall it. Right. And he said, in your day, it's not going to happen because you wanted to walk with God and have revival in your time. So let's see what happens. You get to chapter 23. And the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up in the house of the Lord, and all the men of Jews, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets, and the people both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. You know what? Now watch this. Remember I talked about sphere of influence and authority? Yeah. Josiah was king. He wasn't president. He was king. He said, everybody come to town. Come to town says, I want you to hear the book of the law being read. He had jurisdictional authority about what was going to go on in that nation. Right. You have jurisdictional authority about what's going on in your home, your marriage, your children, your family, everything. You've got, if you're like that, if you're if the governor of Missouri, he has jurisdictional authority. A sheriff has jurisdictional authority. It's, it's a biblical concept. God wants you to take this book and obey it and, 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 and enforce it in the jurisdictional authority of your life. Not as a oppressive thing, but as a glad reception and belief in the, in the word of God that it brings blessing to our lives, both temporal and eternal. So watch verse number three. And the king stood by a pillar made, and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments, his testimonies, his statutes with all their heart and all their soul and perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. They said, you know what? We're with you, king. Let's get back to the word of God. We'll straighten our lives up. We're going to read this. We find out this is wrong. We're, we're, we're going to stop it and correct it. So now they're, watch this. They're in the early stages of a major national revival. And they've heard the word of God and they've learned what's wrong and they're going to try to correct it. They did not go back to work the same day, the same way they came. And the king didn't either. Watch what happens in verse number four. And the king commanded Hilkiah high priest and the priest of the second order and the keepers of the door. Watch this. Everybody bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal. said, first thing we're going to do is clean out the house of God of all the Baalistic junk and stuff that's not of God. Amen. You listen to me. Until the churches get back to the Bible Amen. and get these false Bibles out of their church, they're not going to see revival. They'll have to come up with imitation revivals. Until the churches get out their rock music. Now I want to just tell you something. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I lived through the height of the rock and roll generation. If you don't believe I'm telling you the truth, go watch a concert of the Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, all those people. I mean, I don't want you to do it, but if you don't believe me, you go back and watch the old concerts. You will think you're in modern day church service if they didn't tell you differently. You'll think, well, that's that's what we're doing at church. The smoke would come out and the lights would be doing all this and the music would start and then here'd come the first one of the band and here'd come the second one of the band and I mean the next thing and what they were doing was working those people up and, it was, and they made no pretense about it being religious but what happened is the same hippie culture situation I told you, these people, here's the, here's the problem, most churches, like Bible believing churches, they're so stinking dead that people are willing to just have anything as a, as a semblance of revival. Yeah. Would somebody put some life into this church service? Yeah. We get up and we play dead piano and we sing dead victory in Jesus. 
And our children sit there and go, this is so dead, I can't wait to get grown up and I'll be out of here. So they say, man, we've got to do something. And they find out that if they bring the, watch this, the world into the church in the house of God, that they can get people to come. And we can even have an imitation revival. And man, everybody will be real, real, real good about it. He brings forth all, I'm talking about bringing the traditions, the denominationalism lock up, the ecumenical union, take that out of the house of God. Watch what he did. And for the grove and all the host of the heaven, and he burned them without Jerusalem. He took all that stuff out of the church house. He said, that picture of Jesus, you go to the wall, take that thing down. Burn it out there. Woo! And my grandma bought that picture for the church. You can't do that. It's all over this country. Old traditions. Ain't got a thing to do with the Bible, but we, we ain't never done that away. We're not changing. We wouldn't go back to the Bible. If... <laughs> oh, anyway, let's go. So look at verse number five. He put down the idolatrous priest. He said, a bunch of you priests, hang on to your hats a little bit. I'll tell you what you do. Some of you take a break from Liberty Faith for about three months. Visit every church in this county and the next counties around it. See if any preacher preaches on public education. Just see, just go see. Or just go talk to people in the congregation. Does your preacher ever talk about what's going on? I just learned this week of a a young man that he's a queer. And I know his dad real, real well. He's turned into a queer. He's raised right here in this county. If you'd told me five years ago that that boy would be a queer, you don't want to tell you something right now. Don't you, you don't mess with God. When God says you don't let the heathen train your children, you better wake up. You better get, I'm telling you right now, it might take 10 years for that manifestation of that, that reaping of that, what you sowed. But it's going on right here in this county. I like to fell over backwards. I called my wife and I said, honey, I want you to look at this. I could not believe it. Put a picture of him and his queer guy on, on Facebook. He put down the idolatrous priest. Yeah. These preachers, I'm just going to tell you right now. What's going on? A guy's pastor in the church. He's trying to preach the, supposedly preach the Bible to people. But he'll never w- mention a word about all the high priests of the high places in America. Which education is a super high place. Yeah. And if they have their way, the local com- schools will not get their money unless they start teaching all this garbage. Yeah. Right. If we don't have revival... Why in the world would a, would a preacher be afraid? You know why he's afraid? Money. 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 Approval. Acceptance. That's all it's all about. The fear of man brings a snare. The preachers in Wright County are trapped. They're trapped. Somebody says, oh, we're having a big influence. Oh, really? I don't see it. I'm sorry. I don't see it. But even if you were, that does not qualify you disobeying the Bible. Amen. Let's see what's what he did. Verse number six. He brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem and the brook couldn't have burned it at the brook couldn't have stamped it. This guy's getting a little excited, ain't he? he? He's kind of a fanatic, don't you think? Amen. Look at look at it. Stamped it small to powder, cast the powder there upon the graves of the children of the people. Look at verse number seven. Hey! Look at verse number seven. He break down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings for the grove. 
He went in there with a bulldozer, a D6 cat, and said, shove that sucker down. We're not having sodomites in this nation. Oh, (laughs) evidence of revival. Average preacher in this country won't say a word about sodomy. He's already whipped. It's it's just the truth. Oh, my little bit inside the church house, but... And they guise themselves under, oh, well, we're not to judge people. We're to love everyone. No, you don't love nobody. You let them die and go to hell yes, come and on. you won't warn them. You're a liar. Yes. And somebody needs to. Look, he, he broke down the house of the Sodomites. Look at verse number eight. He brought all the priests of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places. He went in and defiled their temples so they wouldn't even want to go in there and worship. Amen. Where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. I'm telling you what, folks, this guy's wiping up the country. Break down the high places of the gates that were in the inner and end of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, on the man's left hand is the next city gate. Nevertheless, watch this verse number nine. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places came not up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they did eat of unleavened bread among their brethren. Dualistic religion. They said, we're not having nothing to do with Josiah. He's having revival up there. And we're going to still eat unleavened bread. The Bible says do that, but we're not going to get involved in what he's doing. Verse number 10, he defiled Topheth, which is the valley of the children of him, so that no man might make her son or daughter pass through the fire to Molech. He said, this child sacrifice is over with. You're not butchering no more babies in a womb. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what we need in this country, revival. So I'm going to tell you what, we're so sick. We're taking our children in. That, that, that deal up here in St. Louis, this transgender deal, this hospital up here in St. Louis, telling their parents that either if you don't let your child have this transgender surgery, he'll commit suicide. Awfulest, wicked, nasty, filthy stuff that ever was going right here on the state of Missouri. I'm going to tell you kids something right now. You're the male or female. And I'll tell you what, you quit watching that. Most of you, you sit around and lick up them queer transgender music. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You're watching that, that music. You're sitting there at them queers feet licking up your tongue on the ground. And then you come to church and act like you love God. Some of the most of the country western producers right now are a bunch of queers. And you sit there and lick that stuff up like ice cream and then come to the house of God? You go there and watch that stinking filth out of hell, satanic worship junk on Super Bowl night? Why do you think they have that on Sunday night for? You ain't got no more. You, You act like you're a spiritual somebody. We're not going to have revival till we do what Josiah. Josiah said he read that book and he said, I ain't talking about it, but I'm talking about me. And he fell and rent his clothes, said, God, please forgive us. And God, I'll do right. Amen. And God, in my sphere of, of, uh, of jurisdiction, I'll do what I can to bring this nation back to obedience to God. And I want to tell you something right now. Some of you are a little tight. You think I'm preaching hard. Now I'll remind you that someday I want to stand before the throne of Almighty God and he's going to judge me and say, Reggie, that was in the Bible and it was going on and you wouldn't preach about it because you didn't want to offend nobody sitting out there. You didn't want him to leave church. Amen. That's what's going on. Oh, I know you'll find some place where it make you feel good. We need it all, amen. I like to feel good. Go up there and he burnt down everything. 
Verse number 12, he took the altars and beat the, and the king beat the altars down. Verse 13, the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand, the Mount of Corruption. Beat that down. Verse 14, he breaking pieces of the image, cut down the groves and filled their places with the bodies of men, bones of men. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel in the high place which Jeroboam son of Nebat, he just tore, I mean, folks, listen, this guy's got a D cat, D7 cat, and he is going through the whole countryside tearing everything that's ungodly down. And that's what's going to have to happen in this country. We're going to have to have legislators that will stand up and say the Bible says this, and it's right, it's not my opinion, and your opinion don't matter more, more than mine, but we better pay attention to what the Bible says. We need somebody to get up to Jeff City and Washington, D.C. and flat out tell them that this business of perverting these kids by being queers and being transvestites, all that kind of junk, it's out of the bowels of hell. It's satanic. And you don't love those kids or you wouldn't promote that kind of junk. Amen. I'm going to throw something at you. You talking about change? When Billy Sunday was preaching his, his time of revival in America, does anybody know the outcome of that, of that man's ministry? Prohibition. That's right. America voted to not have liquor sold in this country. It was tangible results. Billy Sunday would go into a town, preach a meeting, and then beer joints would shut down. We ain't got a thimbleful of the power of God that Billy Sunday had preaching. But now hang on to your ass because some of you ain't going to like this. But starting in the 1950s, we had Billy Graham preaching crusades everywhere and hundreds of people coming. No change. No change. I'm not against Billy Graham. I'm for him. I'm not against anybody's trying to lead people to Christ. I'm just saying that there's some evidence you can look at. Right. And you better say, what was wrong? The deal was this. And it's in our churches. We want to say, we had three saved. We had five saved. We had five, 15 baptized. We had this and we had that. Yeah. We're not concerned how, how their faith affects their life when they leave here. We just want to be able to say, we had a full house. Right. Oh, we had a good service. You know what it's all about? Making us look good. Right. Making the preacher look good. Well, I must be somebody. Did you know something? You say, well, there's a lot of people here. Yeah, there's a lot of people here for little old town in Norwood. But Joel Osteen can pack them out at 100,000. <laughs> Numbers don't mean beans. Amen. Other than the fact that they're souls. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. This church house being full doesn't make me a good preacher. All right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I could go all the way down through here. This guy's ripping and a snorting. I mean, he is tearing Jack up. Look at verse number 21. And the king commanded all the people saying, keep the Passover unto the Lord your God as written in the book of the covenant. You know what he's doing here? He said, don't you think for a second that me tearing down all this stuff and getting rid of this stuff and getting rid of this saves you. He said, it's still the blood. And he takes them back to the gospel, the Passover, the blood of the lamb. And he said, this is the basis for why I'm doing what I'm doing. Faith without works is dead. Um, Verse 24. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and wizards and images. Harry Potter. Idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Egypt and in Jerusalem. Did Josiah put away? That he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. And like unto him, there was no king before him that turned the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, according to all the law of Moses. Hmm. 
God used the law of Moses to bring the greatest revival Israel ever had. God says that's what's going to happen now. I'm going to close out a little bit here. And uh, look how many pages I'm going to get rid of so you don't have to listen to. (laughs) True revival is a new beginning of obedience to God's word. It affects everybody's jurisdictional authority. And it takes time often and doesn't happen at a flashpoint. It'll affect culture as Christians obey and stand and proclaim and suffer reproach and ridicule and persecution. Now, true biblical revival always starts through the reading, the preaching, and the hearing, and the obeying of the law of God. That's what I've been trying to preach this morning. This is totally opposite of the church today, which is a Baal double worshiper system. Satan loves it. Claim Christ on one hand, live like the world with no repentance, no return, no revival on the other. It's another Jesus, it's another spirit, and it's another gospel. The law of God cannot save you, but it does reflect the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, what is right and what is wrong. It is a guide for conduct for individuals, families, and governments and nations, but it cannot save you. The New Testament tells you that the law is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ, but it is the basis of all true biblical revival. Back in the early days of the United States, we had what was called the Great Awakening in the 1700s. It, it, it kicked in somewhere around 1730, and you had men like George Whitfield, and those men were preaching the Word of God, and, and uh, Jonathan Edwards, and it shook the early, before we were ever a nation, actually. And there was revival going, camp meetings, and people were being saved by the tens of thousands. You can read these accounts, okay? What happened was that movement of God was so effective in the land that when the nation was started, the revival of the word of God had permeated the culture so much that when those men gathered together up there, they started out with being endowed by our creator of certain inalienable rights. And they put God in the preamble. And then Benjamin Franklin, who the world wants you to think was some kind of deist, idiot, and whoremonger. And I don't know about him, but you know what? He's the one who said, if a sparrow cannot fall without God, without our Heavenly Father knowing about its fall, how can we uh, possibly think we can build a nation without his assistance? And I hereby recommend that we start every day, and it's still done today, prayer before Congress starts every day. And they gathered all those men. Now watch this. They got on their knees in Constitution Hall and said, God, we can't build this nation without you. And watch this now. The book of Deuteronomy was their guidebook. Now, this is accurate historical stuff. You can check this out by the letters and the communications of the men who wrote the Constitution. And they went to the book of Deuteronomy because they said, God built that nation, Israel, and its blessing and success upon the principles of his law and commandments. And that's why in the state's laws across the country up until recently, it was against the law. Did you know there was a time in America when you could not legally get a divorce in this country? Did you know there was a time in America when it was against the law to be a sodomite? Sex marriage wasn't even a discussable, same-sex marriage wasn't even a discussable issue. Why? Those men knew the law. I want you to put up, and we're going to do something. You say, I ain't never come back here. Help yourself. You won't be the first. (laughs) If in the claim of revival, there's no return of the regenerated heart to obedience to God's law and glad, joyful obedience activated by the Holy Spirit through grace, there is and never will be revival of God in your life. 
We're not talking about a legalistic, fleshly, religious keeping and obedience, but a God-given grace and work in the heart produced by the Spirit of God that produces a happy willingness to not steal. How many is in here happy not to steal? Oh, it's such a burden on me that I can't steal, Brother Ficker. I'll tell you, oh, it's just a shame that I can't go out and commit adultery. That gummit. Oh, I just wish I, I could lie all the time. Laws are good, right? They're good. I can tell you, I can't got time to. A professed revival without obedience to the word is false, it's dangerous, and it's satanic. So I want to ask you all a question. Do you expect me as your pastor to preach the word of God? Do you want and expect me to honor and love God and his word above you? Do you I'm serious now. Is that what you want? Because a lot of churches don't want that. General revival started by reading the law of God. Now we're just going to do it a little bit. I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 19 on the board. Leviticus chapter 19 on the board. Now watch this carefully. Watch this. This is what Josiah did and the nation did to have revival. This is neat. Uh, first Leviticus chapter 19. Verse number, let's start at verse number 11. You shall not steal. Neither deal falsely. Neither lie one to another. Is everybody good with that one? You shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord. Watch verse 13. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor. You don't cheat people. Neither rob him. The wages of him is hired shall not abide with thee all night till morning. He said, you pay your labors. You don't cheat people out of money. What's verse number 14? Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But thou shalt fear the Lord, I am the Lord. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness thou shalt judge thy neighbor. Look at verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor, I am the Lord. Look at verse 17. You think this ain't New Testament? All Jesus did was take people back to their law. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Look at verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Oh, that's that terrible Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Thou shalt keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with the diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy feet with mingled seed. Neither shall the garment mingled willing and wool come upon thee. Whosoever shall lie carnally with the woman, that is a bond may betrothed in husband and not at all redeemed nor forgiven shall be scourged. They shall not be put to death because she's free. Uh, go up to verse number uh, 26. Well, we're just cutting through here. You shall not eat anything with blood. Neither shall you use enchantment or observe times. All kinds of stuff. And you think this stuff doesn't matter, but it does. I'm not going to, I ain't got time to go all through this. Go to verse number um, 20, uh, go to verse number 29, or I guess with, do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. Keep my Sabbath, reverence my sanctuary, I'm the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them, I'm the Lord your God. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. I get gray-headed. Gray-headed man walks in. You're supposed to reverence. God knows that's good for a country. Uh, Go to verse number 36, 35. Just wait. Balances. Just balances. Just wait. Ephah. Just him. Thou shalt have. I'm the Lord your God. You shall observe my statutes and judgments. Go to chapter 18. Chapter 18. Leviticus 18. Just just hang on to your head. This is worth your time. Uh, Go to verse number 3. After the doings of the land of Egypt, that's a picture of the world, wherein you dwell, you shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, before God brought him in, 
which I bring you, you shall not do any of walk in the ordinances. You should do my judgments, keep mine ordinances for the walk there and say, I'm Lord your God. You should keep my standing. Now watch verse number six. None of you shall approach to any that's near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. That's incest. Nakedness of thy father, nakedness of thy mother, shalt thou uncover. Now I'm going to tell you something. This thing's going to go all the way down through with every relative you've ever had. <laughs> and it's going to describe nakedness. And if there's anything the world God's against is nakedness. The first thing he did with Adam and Eve was clothe them. Amen. Now I'm, getting, I'm going somewhere with this. You hang on to your hat. Let's go to uh, verse number, uh, just jump up to, uh, go to verse number, it just goes on through. Go to verse number 20. Go to 20. I'm just jumping. Thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile her. Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire of Moloch. Remember, Josiah dealt with this. Uh, thou shalt, watch verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's abomination. That's gay. What the Bible calls sodomites. God says it's an abomination. Amen. Verse 23 is going to talk about bestiality. God says that's confusion. You don't do that. Verse 24, defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. Watch verse 25. The land is defiled. Amen. Sin defiles the land. Therefore do I visit the iniquity of itself, and the land vomiteth out her inhabitants. You should keep my statute and judgment. Uh, it just goes on and on, folks. What I would encourage you to do is go back and read the law of the Lord. And that's what our forefathers did as a basis of the laws of our land, even down to the court hearings, judges, the whole, everything. They went to this law and they laid the foundation of what you know as freedom that you're seeing being taken away from because we have left these Old Testament statutes, commandments. Jesus reinforced them, but took them to a higher level of spirituality in his life. I want you to go to Leviticus chapter. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. If you want references, read Leviticus 18, 19, and 20. Read Deuteronomy 16 up through chapter 27. Okay, I, for time's sake, I'm not doing it this morning. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I could take you through the law of God. You can read it yourself. All right, now, what does this mean in practice, practicality and truth if we're going to have revival? Now, listen to me very carefully. When I was first started preaching, I did a lot of revival meetings for years and years and years. I preached a lot of revival meetings. And the thing that bugged me to death was we'd have a revival meeting, might have nobody saved, might have 15 saved. Had a revival down door, Missouri, 20 some people saved it that went two weeks instead of one week. On the Saturday night of the start of the second week, they brought their records, their rock and roll, their country, and burned it up. When I drove up that night, there was a fire behind the church. I said, What's going on? I said, Bringing all the junk and burning it. 20 some people got saved that during that revival. It broke out. First three nights, they wouldn't grunt amen. And I was in an Assembly of God church. Okay? Because you know what? They were stunned at what I was preaching. They were stunned. They were literally stunned that somebody would get up and say those things about the law of God and what's going on. But by the end of the week, they were bringing their junk and burning. Okay, now, what does this mean for you and I, a biblical evidence of revival? It means that we're going to read the Bible and obey what it says. Not in a slavish servitude. Listen to me, please. Not in a slave. Please come back tonight. I want to show you something to blow the socks off of you. So what does it mean? It means that we once again will return to our children. Now you listen to me good. Don't you get ticked off on me. This church has always had about 50% to 70% divorced and remarried people in it. Because I believe in God's mercy. I believe in rebuilding. I believe in getting down to the blood and going on with your life. Amen. That's just the fact of it. If you can't give people God's redemption and his blood for forgiveness of sin and build a, build a, a regain, what have we got? All right. 
But that does not mean that I should not preach on divorce and remarriage. It's wrong. It is wicked. It'll destroy a nation. And if you've been on that, ask God. I mean, repent. Say, God, and then tell your children. Talk to your children about it. Listen, your mom and dad, we, we've been in sin. Listen, we're in a mess. But we don't want your generation to suffer what we've suffered. We want God's blessing upon you. What we did was sin. Yeah. Don't go bragging about, well, my first wife, bless, she nothing but a hellcat. And I'll tell you the best thing that happened is get away from her. Oh, really? And you come in here and sing, Jesus loves me. And if she walked in, you'd have a cat. My ex is here. Isn't it amazing how we can find a different church to go to than our ex's church? Oh, we're sick. If we have revival, it means we'll start loving our wife as Christ of the church. Quit being mean to her. Yeah. You know why the feminist movement rose up? Because men become a bunch of wicked, overbearing. That's right. All this interest in their wives for was their body. Other than that, you couldn't give a rip about her. And she knows it. And so they hate men. It's just on, that's, what's, that's what went on in America. Oh, watch this in here. Obey your husband? He's lost his mind. We're not living in 1950. Oh, real? Bible said in Genesis, he's, your husband rule over you. It says New Testament, different times. Wives, obey your husband. That's why you're not going to have revival because you don't believe that. And you're, you're, you're full of rebellion such as witchcraft and you say, I'm not doing it and I'm going to find me a church where that preacher will put up with my Jezebelism. It means that you quit lying and cheating and stealing about your business deals. Isn't that deep theology? Hard to have revival. You've got to have deep theology in this mystic movement of the Holy Ghost. What do you mean I don't lie on my tax return anymore? And on my assessment list, I, I, I got 42 cows but I only reported 30? It means that I'll have no immorality of any kind in my life. That I'm going to do what I said when I'm married. It be only unto her unto death. It means that I'll, I'm going to quit watching pornography. It means I'll have cleanness of my mind and my heart. It means that I don't believe in any of this gender identity garbage that male and female. And now hang on to your hats. You know what it would really mean for some of you to have revival? You start dressing like men and you start dressing like women. Some of you women are so messed up you don't even want to be called a lady anymore. Because you got your tight britches on, bless God. Nobody tells me what to do, my husband, or nobody else. The old timers used to say, well, you got to better figure out who's going to wear the britches in your house. Yeah. You better figure it out. If I come up here next week to preach in a dress, what do you think? You think there's something bad going on in that man's life? I said that one time preaching revival meeting. This old man jumped up and said, I'll tell you what, I'll throw you out of here. <laughs> I said, don't worry about it. I ain't coming with the dress tomorrow night. That's the kind of men we used to have in our churches. He was about 85 years old and he sat right where Brother Bob's was sitting. And when I said that, he jumped up and said, you better not come in here with a dress on. <laughs> old country church. Amen. It's exactly right. Y'all start dressing like a woman, lady. Amen. You say, well, I, I, I like to ride a horse. Well, good. I, I think it's wonderful for you to ride a horse. You ever watched Roy Rogers? Yeah. Dale Evans? 
How many? What? 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 Did Dale, did Dale ride a horse? What was the name of her horse? Buttermilk. Buttermilk. Yeah. What did What did Dale do? You couldn't tell it. She had a dress on, but that dress had had a split in it, and she could throw her leg over that horse and ride. See, you don't have to do what you think you got to do. Some of you men, you got them. You got. I just don't. You just love these men's clothes now with the little like that. It looks like woman's slacks. If you have revival, you'll quit that nonsense. You quit dressing like a woman. Amen. You say, well, I want to go to church here. You ain't going to enjoy it if you don't be a man. If you're a man, if you're a male, we're going to preach you manhood in you. Amen. You little sissies, get off your little computers. The only thing you got is a square head. You looked at the computer so long, your head's square. The only calluses you got is on the tip of your fingers. Yeah. I tell you what you need is a you, your birthday you don't need a new phone you need a chainsaw and a splitting mall amen. amen and I'm telling you right now we're not going to have revival till there's a revival of manhood and God said he created a male and female amen. and Jesus reaffirmed that That's right. Amen. don't tell me God didn't have nothing to say about it I'll tell you what we'll have revival there won't be no women preachers that's right. Amen. You women preachers, if you ever get back to the word of God, you know what you'll say? I've been in sin. I've been in rebellion and I'm repenting and I'm no longer going to claim to be a preacher. Yes. Must be the husband of one wife. Okay, you're a, you're a preacher. You're a queer. Ladies, you're a lesbian. You're the husband of one wife. Come on. Come on. That's right. Come on. Hey, we're having church now, amen. As long as I was preaching about somebody out yonder, it's just great. We get to preach about our lives and it ain't so sweet. We're never going to have revival until we get back to doing right and obeying God's word. That's just a fact of it. You can dance and swoon and you can ooh and sing all you want to, but you walk out of church house and don't change your life, it's a big lie. A big lie. Well, I'll tell you what, not only that, but I'll tell you not only will the women preachers repent and quit preaching, but there'll be modesty. Right. Amen. Amen. Right. Bible teaches modesty from Genesis to Revelation. Right. I'm telling you, it teaches modesty. And I'll tell you right now, if we ever have revival in this church, some of you will get them little black spandex rubber band things you put on and wear out public. Looks like a set of black hand pantyhose. You're wearing them out and showing your crotch and your rear end. That's as wicked as hell itself. It is wrong. Amen. It is wrong. And I tell you, when we'll have revivals, when you bring them, hey, no, no, not no secret thing. When you bring them up here and go down by the tabernacle and say, I'm bringing up all my stupid music. Here's my black spandex junk I've been wearing and looking and showing my rear end off to everybody. And we're going to burn. I'm not selling that a yard sale for somebody else to get entrapped in it. I'm burning it. Yeah. Oh, you don't want revival. You just talk. Yeah. All right, y'all hang it, tighten up. Amen. We ever have revival, it'll shut down the tattoo shops. Because yeah. yeah. the Bible said in the law that you're not to make marks on your body. Sure. Right. Amen. And not to, all that piercing junk. Yeah. Amen. Just being honest, you say, well, I tell you what, Reggie, I got a tattoo right here. You know what you need to do? You listen to me. Every day of your life, you roll up your britches. Roll up your britches. Roll <laughs> Roll up your sleeve and say, God, that was wrong, but I'm going to use it as a reminder of your love and your mercy and your grace to me. 
That's right. And I'm not going to go around bragging and showing everybody and acting like I'm some kind of something. Right. But I'm going to use a reminder of your grace and your forgiveness. Right. You listen to me right now. I'm not, I'm not after you. I'm not after nothing. But that's what God's word says. That's right. Right, man. right. right now, I mean, it's just, a, I, I'm not trying to be mean. Right. God help me. You have revival. You get rid of, you boys, you men get rid of long hair. Yeah. The Bible says it's shame for a man to have long hair. Right. You see, you're picking on people. No, I'm not. It's giving you the Bible. Is God picking on you? God's not picking on you. It's all for your good. You have revival. You'll quit this unisex garbage. You'll quit your drugs, your liquor, your porn, your nakedness. You pay your bills. You'll work and eat your own bread and not your neighbor's. But people want a revival without God's word. told a man this week what I've told this church a hundred times that I'd rather have ten men sitting on the front chewing good money, chewing tobacco and spitting at a spittoon and missing it every three shots than have one long tongued woman in this church house you see now we're going to dive deeper how about our anger me and Brett talked about this week we've both got a problem with anger I can preach on your tattoos, and I can preach on your long hair, and I can preach on your spandex stuff. That's right. But I tell you, if I go and treat my wife like a dog, I ain't worth nothing. That's right. I'm a hypocrite. And if I have spells and fits my kids and treat them like a dog, I'll never forget the brother from North Missouri coming down and preaching on our first camp meeting we had back in the 70s. And he said, there's deer hunting, you know, and he said, I shot this big buck, and I took it in. And he said, I got down at the barn there in front of our house, and he said, I wanted to gut that buck. He said, I got my little kids and my wife out there to help lift the buck up. He said, I put a rope around his horns and said, I was pulling over the rafter. And I said, now you guys lift while I pull. He said, I've been pastoring there at that church for a long time. He said, I was pulling, they was a lifting. He said, we got it up kind of where I could rest it. And I said, now hold it while I tie it off. He said, by the time I got ready to tie it off, they let it slip. He said, I said, can't you hold the thing or not? He said, I grabbed the rope and I pulled again. I said, now lift it. Get this thing up. Got to get it. Got it. Got it up again. About the time he started tied off, the wife and the kids, they, let, they dropped it again. And he said, I threw the rope sideways and I kicked the deer and I went around that barn. I said, nothing can go right around here. Nothing goes right around here. You can't even hold up a stupid deer so I can get the stupid thing. And he said, my kids, my wife, the kids were just like this. And he said, my wife gathered the kids up like a hen with chickens and ushered them to the door of that old shed. And turned around to me, her pastor husband, and said, 
in all the years we've been married, I've never seen you talk to the people of that church like you talk to me and your children. Oh, we can be so high and mighty and tell people they ought to cut their hair and wear the right kind of clothes and do this and do that and not do this. But until God works in the heart about our stupid anger and our envy and our jealousy and our hatred and our unforgiveness, it's all a massive, massive joke. Now, we're close and we're going to let out and go home. I'm not having an altar call. If you want to do something with God, you can just help yourself. But I'm, I'm all broken up because I'm guilty. And I don't want anybody listening to me online or here in this congregation you to think a moment that I think I'm better than you. I'm not better than you because if you knew the pit God took me out of you, it's a good grief. Amen. All week long, everybody's been asking me, what about this Asbury deal? What about this Asbury deal? What about this Asbury deal? And I was like, what about Asbury? I'm concerned about this church. Amen. I'm concerned about Reg Kelly. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm for revival anyway. I know it's going to come by the book. Now, please listen to me. And I want to be kind in saying what I'm going to say. But people are looking for answers. And I want you to be able, in your heart, to answer that question without asking me. I want you to be able to go to the Bible and say, is this of God? Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 5, the apostles had been preaching and people were getting saved and a lot was going on. And they arrested them and they beat them and they put them in jail. Gamaliel, who was Paul, one of Paul's instructors in the law, said to those men, and I'll just paraphrase my little, be careful what you're doing with these guys, because he said, and he gave them a couple examples about big movements that started and went by the wayside. He said, listen, if this work be of God, you can't stop it. And if it's not of God, it'll die out. I don't think anybody in the United States can say at this point what's going on down there is of or, or is not of God, other than there are some evidences that I think that if it's true revival, we'll see. And here's part of number one. Now you got to know a little bit background about that particular religious organization, Okay. But number one, when the students who say they've been revived and the staff and the administration of that college who say they're having revival, get up and say, the Bible says sodomy is wicked and abomination is wrong. And we love you people enough to tell you, you're going to bust hell wide open unless you repent. And if they will not get up and say that, it is not of God. You see, if what you watch is they're, they're addressing all the safe areas about repentance. They know good and well that if they said a stinking word about the sodomite and transgender movement, that the whole campus would be surrounded by a bunch of queers in three days. Yeah. Protesting. And threatening to kill them. You want revival? Go back to the law. What does it say? What it said about all these issues, I, I didn't go through all that. But if they will get up and say, all right, we've had revival here. We've went and checked with the book. And revival always produces tangible results. 
and we're going to get up and say as a Christian university that divorce is wrong, it is sinful, it needs to be repented of, and if you're not had it happen, don't ever do it. We're going to get up and say that fornication is wrong. You see what I'm saying? We're going to publicly make a stand. See, Josiah could have said all day long, said, man, I read the book of the law. My goodness sakes alive. Y'all see what I read in here. Boy, ain't that something? Wow. And do it in his little tight circle. Don't mean anything. But in your jurisdiction, if you go home and say, kids, I love you, but we're not having these clothes in your closet. Kids, I love you, but we're not having this music in this house. Kids, I love you, but this stuff's not going on. It's against God's word. You see, I believe in what's called generational revival. That God, over time, shows you what's wrong in his law. And you change as the Holy Spirit reveals to you and shows you errors of our way. But when you see them get up down there and say publicly tough things out of the book of the law that are sinful and must be turned from if there's true repentance, then you're going to know there's a genuine biblical revival going on until that time. No. It could be a deception. I pray it's not. And, and I don't care. I don't care what any preacher out there listening to me thinks. Don't you even comment. Because I don't care what your comment says. I could care less. Don't you tell me what to preach or how to preach. When we see tangible results, but I'm not worried about Asbury. I'm for anything. If if it's going to help somebody, I'm all for it. I'm concerned about Reg Kelly getting right with God and having personal revival. Can I tell you something? Angela, you're a blessing. I want you to know that. We're going to get you a Bible today, okay? Peyton, did I put you asleep again today? Just about. (laughs) Bless your heart. You're good. Listen, if if we don't, if, when I got saved, God had 42 different things he had to deal with me about. And one month it was this, and as I got that fixed, bless God, I thought I was something. Next thing I know, he said, got to get rid of that, Reggie. When you want you to bring that in, get that out, just bring that in. And I was like, Lord, that's just the way it is. He didn't save you to leave you in Egypt. He's conforming you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Now watch, here's what I'm going to say. But if I get up here and act like, bless God, I don't do this and I don't do that. And I don't do this and I don't do that. And I read my Bible every day. By the way, it's a King James Bible too. And that makes me better than you. You tell me, what kind of sin is that? That's the very sin that Satan was thrown out of heaven over. And who am I talking about? Now I'm going to tell you all something. You're going to like this. You can go tell your kids that I went to church one Sunday and he didn't get done to one o'clock. And I want to thank you for your patience. Imagine your backside sore. Uh, and I don't, I don't gloat in that, nothing. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, I preach this thing. I'm done. You can get up and let's go home. 